Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. We continue our theme, Live the Abundant Life. I'm afraid that some of us are missing out on an abundant life. I'm afraid that some of us are settling for a life that is less than it should be, less than it could be. And so we are considering this year this idea of living the abundant life. There are a lot of things that we could think about that define what the abundant life is. From here to the end of the year, we're considering the Beatitudes of Jesus where he tells us, because he wants us to have the abundant life, I want to suggest that the blessed life is the abundant life. And today we learn the next of these, mourning. Now you might think that doesn't make a lot of sense, because if you're mourning, then how is that an abundant life? Having grief. Does that give you an abundant life? Various characteristics connected with it. For instance, in Genesis 37, when the brothers of Joseph had taken him and put him in a pit, and Reuben had saved him, they wanted to kill him. But Reuben saved him and said, let's put him in the pit. And when he came back to release him, he found his brothers had sold his, their brother Joseph into captivity. And the Bible says that Reuben tore his clothes in mourning and grief, for he thought he had lost his brother. When Jacob, their father, was presented with the idea they had concocted that Joseph had been killed by a wild animal. And they showed the coat that they had given, that, that Jacob had given to Joseph, and it had blood on it that they had smeared on it from an animal. They wanted to convince their father that Joseph was dead. And when he heard it, he tore his clothes as well. He was mourning. In 2 Samuel 19, Tamar was grieving. And she had ashes on her head. She was in pain because she had been assaulted. And she was mourning. She was grieving. There are many other things that occur in Scripture as signs of mourning. Some people wear, were wearing black clothes or called mourning garments. Some fasted. Some shaved their heads. Others covered their heads but walked around barefooted. All of these were signs that someone was in deep grief and mourning over some event. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 5 mentions a practice that was done during those times and is still being done throughout the world today in certain places where at a funeral they hire people to mourn. It's a status symbol in some countries. 
the more people that you can get hired to display the greatest concepts of mourning, to make a show out of it for everybody to see, it says you have great status in your life. Therefore, mourning. When we think about grief and we think about mourning, we're thinking about an external display of deep sadness. Mourning, in fact, is deeper than sadness. It is sadness that has gone to your very core and has affected how you look in your exterior. That's what we think of when we think of mourning. And from our perspective, that's not beautiful. But I want to suggest to you that mourning is beautiful in the eyes of God. Will you consider with me, first of all, how we can see beautiful mourning in the life of one of the great men of Scripture, King David. You might want to look in 2 Samuel 11 and 12, and there we will notice the story. Briefly, in case you are unfamiliar with it, let me tell you about King David and his outward display of mourning and grief, and he brought it on himself. One day, one evening, the king's palace, by law, had to be the highest structure in the city. And therefore, nobody could have a high house higher than the palace. In those places, even today, their roofs were flat, and they would use them like we would use a patio or a porch. And so he was up on his roof in the cool of the evening, and he was there noticing and literally looking down on all of the houses over which he ruled. And it was there on the house of another, a roof of another house, where he saw a woman who was bathing, which was what they also did on their roofs, not seen except by the king because his was higher. And you know the story. By his rule, he called her to him. And he carried out an illicit, adulterous affair. And from that encounter, she was pregnant with child. And now he has a problem. I have to fix this. Her husband was off fighting in the war. And he said, I've got to fix this situation. And so he brought the husband back from the war. And he said, you've done well, and I want to reward you. Why don't you go home and spend the evening with your wife? But he was a noble man, and his soldier comrades were fighting in the fields, and he slept on his porch. The next day, 
David, realizing he had not yet covered it up, got the man drunk and then hoping that he would go to his wife and that would cover it up. But he was still holding his integrity and he slept on his porch. And David said, I've got to fix this. And the next day he wrote a note, sealed it, and gave it to Uriah. Take this to Joab, the commander of the military, when you return. He took his own death sentence to his commander. The note said, attack the city at its most heated battle where the archers are. And when you get there, everybody pull away and leave Uriah at the front so that he will die. And it happened exactly that way. Now David thinks he has covered the situation. But God said, no. Chapter 12, he sent Nathan the prophet to him. And, and the prophet gave a story. It was a fantastic story to David. He said, David, we've heard about this. There was this really rich man. He had flocks and herds and a fine place, and a friend of his came to visit. Instead of taking one of his own flocks and herds, somebody, one of the animals, he went to his neighbor's field. You see, the neighbor was a poor man. His children had raised a lamb, and it was a pet. The lamb ate from their table. And in the night, this rich man stole the lamb, killed it, and served it to his friend for dinner. David the king was highly upset. Highly upset. And he said, tell me who this guy is. He deserves to die. And Nathan looked right at him and said, You are the man. Now David understood. Now he gets it. And David mourned. God said, The child will not live. You will be punished the rest of your life. And David grieved. In fact, in the list of things that are part of grieving in Scripture, David did many of those. He tore his clothes. He put on mourning clothes. He wallowed around in the dust. He fasted. David was in mourning. His mourning was an outward expression of a deep inner sadness. David mourned physically. But now, if you will, turn over to Psalm 51. I doubt that David's mourning was beautiful. In fact, he had not bathed. 
He had not taken care of himself. He was in bad state. No way would we ever say, oh, that mourning that David is doing is beautiful, it's lovely. Not at all. But in Psalm 51, it's beautiful. Now, David is mourning in a way that Jesus said, if you will mourn, you'll be comforted. I want you to notice how David mourned to such a degree that God said, that is beautiful. Number one, David said, this psalm was his song in response to what he had done, showing how he felt about it. And he began, Create in me a clean heart. David said, I want to be clean. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities. Cleanse me from my sin. David wanted to be clean. When we mourn over the fact that we're not clean and want to be clean, when our grieving spiritually says, Lord, clean me up, God looks at that mourning and he says, that's beautiful. There might be tears because this person says, I just want to be clean. It's about an attitude that says, God makes me clean. And whenever His people display the attitude of desiring to be clean, God says, that's beautiful. Children have to be trained about that, don't they? How many times, not every child, but very many of them, how many times did you have to, will you please take a bath? Will you please take a shower? And it has to be pushed and trained just like we train children to say, we want you to be clean. God trains His children to want to be clean. David was faced with the fact that he needed to be clean. And in his morning, his spiritual morning, God said, that's beautiful. Number two, David said, here is how dirty I am. Verses 3 through 11. Verse 3, my sin is always before me. 
Against you I have done this evil. Purge me, verse 7, with hyssop, and I'll be clean. Wash me to be whiter than snow. The bones you have broken, I want to rejoice. Create in me a clean heart. Don't cast me away from your presence. David's mourning led him to say accurately, here is how dirty I am. A child. I have to admit, Greg sitting back there, every one of us who were there many years ago at the Lawson House, remember the day when Bryce and Brandon came running up from below the hill and only thing you could see was the whites of their eyes. They had just, I guess, immersed themselves in the mud. Now, you know what you could do? You could take them and wash their hands off. But they're not clean. You could wash their hair, but they're not clean. You have to admit, I am dirty and here's how dirty I am. And David said, I am this dirty. You can cast me away if you want to. My heart is messed up. I want it clean. I want to be fixed. He said, I am this dirty. And when you mourn and admit that you're this dirty, God says, that's beautiful. Here's the problem. We're willing to admit generic sin. But how willing are we to mourn over specific sin? Instead of saying, Lord, forgive me for I'm a sinner. To be able to look God and say, forgive me because this is my problem. I am this dirty. Verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your generous spirit. David longed for something better. You know what sin is? Sin is participating in something at the moment that seems better. At this moment, this is better than that. At this time, this is what I want instead of that. That's what sin is. But in mourning, David said, I long for something that's really better the joy of your salvation and your generous spirit. When we mourn, because we know there's something better than what we've been doing, God says, that's beautiful. 
verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your way, and sinners shall be converted to you. David's mourning led him to say, I want to help others learn from my mistakes. I've often talked to people who in some obvious or public way have sinned. And it feels like it's over. Life's finished. I can't go on. But when we get to the point of saying, okay, God can forgive, then we start talking about how do you forgive yourself. Here's one way to do it. You help somebody else because of what you've been through. You help somebody else avoid the same position you found yourself in. And in so doing... You're mourning the way God wants you to mourn. That it's causing you to help somebody else avoid the mental stress of that very act. When David said to God, I messed up and I want to help somebody else, God said, that's beautiful. Finally, verses 14 through 17, especially verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. When David mourned over his brokenness that now God can rebuild him, God said, That's beautiful. I don't know how David could do all that he did and think that he'd gotten away with it. I don't know why it took that parable and he's walking through the story and David's still not getting it. And it was not until the prophet pointed to him specifically that David finally got it. It dawned on him, I am broken. And until we get to the point of being broken so that God can rebuild, then we've really not mourned as we should. What did Jesus say? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Spiritually, if we mourn the way David did, we will find comfort. And remember this in Acts 13. Even given all that David did, David was called the man after God's own heart. You know why? Because he could mourn. He could grieve over sin. You know what? So does God. He mourned when the world became so bad. 
that he had to destroy it and start over with a flood. He mourns when he notices people heading astray. We, to find comfort, spiritually speaking, need to mourn. By the way, when we experience physical loss, we don't really get to a place of comfort until we have gone through the grieving process. You see, it is true. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. If you're mourning over the sin in your life, and you need us to pray for you, if you've not mourned enough to say, God, I'll let you take my sin away and be immersed into Jesus Christ for sins to be forgiven. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.